I am here with Sean, who is a co-founder of Joke Race. Sean, I'm so excited to have you on the pod today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I cannot wait to talk about token voting and the latest release and all of the things. But before we do that, maybe you can give a little bit of context on you, what you're working on, and then how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole. Mm, yeah, that's a good good questions. Okay, so me, I am a 24-year-old non-binary person who is interested in computers and organizing. Um, man, I haven't I haven't had to answer these questions. Like, I feel like in the process of raising, we like we did a lot of like, okay, got the intros down. I haven't had to do that in a minute. <laughs> um, so 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 that's me. I, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and then. How I got down the crypto rabbit hole was in like 2016. Um, yeah, in, in 2016, I just like I, I learned about Bitcoin and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I like, you know, watched the line go up, learned some about Ethereum. And I thought that like I read the white papers and I got got really excited about that. And I thought it was really cool. Um, and then like through college, I just kind of like kept my eyes on it. I never really got into like developing or anything like that. Um, but just like was an enthusiast and like in, dabbled in investment, um, learned my lesson in 2017, got like crushed in that bear market. Um, so then when 2020 came around um, and, and DeFi was going off, like I have a history in finance. Like my first job was at a fixed income broker dealer um, and as, a, as a software engineer. I like got really excited about decentralized finance and started reading all those white papers and, and fell down that rabbit hole again. Um, so, so got really excited about DeFi, started looking more seriously into crypto and web three around that time in 2020, 2021. Um, and at that point I decided to, to go work at Flipside as a data engineer. Um, and after that, I learned about DAOs, got really excited, left Flipside, wanted to get into DAOs, doing work with that. Um, and that's where I, I really met David. And then we, we co-founded a joke race. Yes. And I've had David Phelps on the podcast a couple of times. So I'm very excited about having um, the other half of Joke Race on. Um, maybe you can give a little bit of context. So Joke Race used to be called Joke Dow. Um, <laughs> maybe we can start with a broad strokes clarification on naming, and then we can get into what Joke Race actually is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we did a big old like nomenclature mix up. Uh, or not mix up clarification and like restructuring. So, so joke DAO broadly is the community of joke token holders. Joke token is a game utility um, that is used like in right now, like the joke council race, which is a group of people who every week run a, run a race, a joke race that says like, Hey, submit jokes under this theme and then we'll vote. And then the second most voted on joke wins. Um, and so joke token is a game utility token, for use in that game, as well as like anything else, you know, propagated by this this joke council um, to use. So succinctly, joke DAO, broad joke ecosystem community. Joke race is a product that is the best way to make, um, execute, and reward decisions. And then JK Labs is the the company making joke race, um, which is just like the technical corporation that. Um, David, myself, and our front-end engineer, Zoe, are uh, incorporated in. Um, but Joke Race is the product. Joke DAO is the larger community. This thing called Joke Council is a group of people who own NFTs generated from that game that I mentioned, the Joke Council Race. 
um, yeah, I think that's a that's a broad strokes overview of the ecosystem and kind of like the the renaming we did because when you start wanting to have like a more more of structure to like developments develop something, you kind of have to be like, okay, like what what's the DAO and what's the corporation? But JK Labs is a development lab. Joke Race is the product, and Joke DAO is the broader community. And the council really sits within the broader community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The council plays a role as part of the community, but also to incubate games that use joke race and ideally the joke, the like joke token as well, like as a gaming utility. Um, but yes, exactly. Joke council is part of joke DAO. They're, they're kind of like uh, bicameral governance in a way. And like that was, that was David's whole brainchild. He can talk a ton about that, um, but they are like, it is an interesting intersection where they are, but yeah, exactly. And then fundamentally, I want to talk about Joke Race as uh, a product because you all just did a big release with a lot of um, anti-token energy. Maybe not anti-token, but we'll talk about that. Um, maybe uh -huh. you can give like a, an overview of what Joke Race is. You mentioned decision-making, you mentioned games. Um, so yeah, let's start there. Yeah, I always, I, okay, I've done a lot of iterations of ways to explain joke race. And like fundamentally, the, the thing I've found the most success with is explaining mechanics first and then working out from that. And at its base, it is literally just a prompt, a submission period, and a voting period. And that's what comprises a contest. Um, and so joke races are ways, is, is a product to run contests. And you can have superpowers with Joke Race, though. Like, you can make something on AWS that says, okay, that's easy, like a prompt, um, a, a submission period, and a voting period, and then you can parameterize that. But Joke Race does it all on-chain, on any EVM-compatible chain, um, which not only has, like, you know, provenance of a chain, like, you have that immutable history that says, like, look, I participated in this way, like, I made a submission that got the most votes consistently. I'm a really good curator of content or I'm a really good participant in community. Um, also, because it's on chain, you get executability and the ability to reward those decisions programmatically. So if you have a contest whose prompt is like what is, should be the configuration of a safe multi-sig, you can have people submit answers to that. And then the winning one can programmatically be executed and turned into a safe with that um, with that configuration. You can do a similar thing with Juicebox, or you know, what what NFT should we pool funds to to buy? Um, and and so that's the executability part. And then the rewarding is you know all sorts of things. But Hackathon uh, is a really good example here, which is basically like you can make a prompt that that is like submit your project for a hackathon. Um, you could have like a jury vote or uh, or judges vote on who wins the hackathon. And then upon completion of the contest, you can auto, you can programmatically pay out the winners um, that you can, can you you configure at the beginning of the contest, which is like we could give fifty percent of the rewards pool to first place, you know, thirty percent to second, and twenty percent to third, um, and that can all happen on chain programmatically. Um, so yeah, that, those are that's what a contest is, and then the, those things like executability and um, rewards are how Joke Race like superpowers contests. Yeah. So really joke joke race is a product that is focused on helping groups of people make decisions and potentially also execute on those decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With high yeah. levels of customizability at almost every layer of what I just said. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I always get very excited about the extent to which you can parameterize and go on any chain that you like. Like those are fun technical things. But when it comes down to it, it really is the best way for communities to make execute and war decisions. And we're trying to make it like where we think it's a, the best way to do that right now. And then trying to bring down friction even further to, you know, in the future, possibly allow more like broader levels of on-chain communities to use us um, to where, you know, maybe we implement gasless relaying. So you don't have to have gas in your wallet to get all of these superpowers um, or, or, you know, wallet as a service provider. So people can just enter an email and, it, it participate like they would in web two, but still get all these superpowers. So, you know, it's, it's any communities right now, we're really focusing on like making sure that the like crypto native uh, communities and like, especially with all these new chains popping up really use us and love us. And, and we're serving that group well, but um, we, we don't pigeonhole ourselves to crypto communities because we really think this can be a product for, for all of them out there. Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk about like what, um, I feel like the fundamental thing that you're getting at there is basically like governance is not just a crypto native concept and actually governance can be particularly useful in communities outside of crypto, which I definitely want to get to. Um, but even before we do that, I think something that is interesting that I want to make sure we touch on is V3 of Joke Race launched, I think last week um, or when this comes out, probably two weeks ago. And there are a few mechanisms in particular I'm thinking about pulling from on-chain activity to qualify people to vote for things um, that I think are really interesting paradigm shifts in how we think about what it means to be um, a participant in governance and what's required to participate in governance. Um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about some of those decisions in V3. Yeah, for sure. And And you mentioned like, uh, not not particularly anti-token, but but post-token rhetoric in our in our announcement. Post-token, there um, we go. Yeah, and and you know, like I, it, it definitely like you know, you want to get an announcement, you want to get attention. Controversy is a good way to do that, but we also think it's accurate. So like tokens are out there, and tokens serve a purpose, um, and and we want to provide communities that are oriented around a token or an NFT the same superpowers that we want to provide any community. It is just we are widening the window of how you can go about organizing or making decisions um, on chain. Um, and, and what post token means is like, yeah, exactly. As you said, you can decide who you want to submit or vote in your contest, not only based just on tokens anymore. It's just it's a it's a broader subset. All you need now is a CSV of addresses and the number of votes that those addresses can get, and you can be off to the races. So whether that CSV is of, you just like go to Etherscan and export, like here here are my token holders, and you upload that directly onto us, that works great. Um, we, we work amazingly for token communities, and in fact, we've seen a lot of demand from token and especially NFT communities, um, because like if you're on ETH mainnet with an NFT, it is not feasible whatsoever to do governance or any sort of decision making because of how expensive that is. So if if an NFT community can have their collection on ETH mainnet and then, you know, kind of shop around to see what L2 they want to use for governance, well, we can enable them on any of those chains um, and for like negligible amounts of gas compared to how much it would cost to, to do that sort of decision making um, on mainnet. Um, but as you can imagine, like, yeah, once you abstract it away from like, okay, you have to have a token because that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna permission you or allow list you to all you need is a CSV file. You know, something that that we 
uh, like people like uh, projects with tokens, like we were talking to the Uniswap Foundation about is like, yeah, like we want more non-financial uh, utility to our token. So maybe you say like, well, if you if you've held this token for over three months or six months, then you get increased voting power. Or like um, we, you know, we don't want people who have just bought it directly before before a big vote. Um, you want to reward things. You can get really, uh, you can get really. What's the adjective? Fun with like your token waiting strategies. Or you could say anyone who has ever engaged on our chain to this point. If you're like a newly released chain, gets to vote in our contest um, mm. or has liquidity provided for our DeFi protocol. Really, it's like. Uh, um, you know, blockchains are really just like universal APIs. So now you can just call that API for whatever data you care about um, and then enable whoever you want to participate in your contest and engage in your community's decision making. Yeah, and I'm curious, it feels like not only are you in that sense increasing the surface area for who can engage in governance, but I think also the general approach of Joke Race feels to me like it's trying to to increase the surface area of what is governable in the first place. And so I'm curious how you're thinking about like what is governable. And I think in in sort of the past like couple of years, we've seen, you know, like parameter changes for DeFi protocols and, you know, things that feel very, very highly technical. Um, and so I'm curious when you think about what it means to increase the surface area of, of governance more broadly, like what does that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I definitely, and we've made an intentional choice to veer away from the term governance, um, like at all in the first place, um, because uh, because that like makes it it makes the um, the like the pie that of of people that could utilize us and like the needs that need to be met much larger. And also, like my anarchist ass, like likes to think about this bottom <laughs> up. It's you know the, the the phrase of like what can be governed implies that there is someone like making decisions over something. Whereas like, I like to ask the question, like what problem doesn't have, or what community or what problem, or like, where do you not have decisions being made? Um, I think it's mm. a, it's a really wide scope of things. Like pretty much anything I can think of in the world or in humans relations involves decision-making. So when we make the question, like where do decisions need to be made? It gets really exciting because that's like everywhere. Um, so I, I think that's, that's, te that tends to be how I think about it. And at least like, as, as like David and I have really made an intentional shift away from like the traditional view of governance of like, what does that mean? Like DAO governance and more towards just like, okay, like everyone everywhere needs to be making decisions. How are we going to enable that in the best way possible? Mm, yeah. I really like that thinking. Okay. So a follow-up to push on that a little bit, um, so where are decisions being made and how can we empower that, I think, is a really good framing. Are there certain types of decisions that you think are a better fit for a platform like Joke Race? Or do you think that the space for this type of decision-making tool, which I would characterize as relatively distributed, like crowdsourced, and obviously you can play around with, again, customizing some of that, but it feels like that is a core part of what Joke Race provides. Um, do you think that there are certain types of decisions that are better fits for that type of, of tooling? Yeah, I think, 
I mean, I'm obviously a shill and like like it, and <laughs> and we want to build it the you know the, the 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 most scalable way that we can. But I think like I think if you can be making a decision in a Telegram chat, you know, with one of the Telegram polls, then maybe it's not worth the overhead. But really, anything right. more than that, um, and even sometimes those, right? Because we we provide these superpowers of being on chain. Um, like we even had a group out in the west of America that was just like a hiking group. They were physically decentralized. They were all living in different cities. And they like put out a contest that was like, hey, where should we go hiking next? So even things that don't require like um, in depth, like we need to be able to trust the outcome. Like they're, they're not the highest impact or, or risk. Um, even, even that I think we're useful for because we come with these superpowers of like, okay, say you want to execute that on chain or you want to reward the participants or even for this, that has like low risk, you know, like it's not that deep. Um, it's, it's fun to put things on a universal ledger. Like it, it, I think, I think there is something intangibly cool about doing stuff on the blockchain. And like, this is, this I think feeds more into like, when you ask like what community can't like what communities are particularly served well by us is, is I kind of like think about it in a way of like, what communities can't, you know, are particularly well served by computers. Like it, it really is that broad of a question mm-hmm. to me of like, anybody needs to make decisions. Is it, I think what it comes down to for us is like the level of friction. So like when I talk to people yeah. about this, one of the first things I always hear is like, oh my gosh, my HOA could use this. My, my, my homeowners, homeowners association, it is such a pain in the ass to do voting and like all this stuff. Like it would be amazing to just have something that can spin up and go and you don't need to set up an Amazon web server or anything for. Um, and so in terms of friction, I think that getting people like people that aren't even familiar with crypto or anything like that, getting them onboarded and reducing the friction for them is something that like we are working towards, but maybe isn't like, a community that we are heavily optimized for, but in terms of like what communities can we serve and what communities would this would be useful for, I really, I really think, uh, I, I really think that's like broad and like really anybody who's making decisions could use us. Um, I can go on a like I'll I don't know if you plan to ask about this later, so I'll keep it succinct. But it also kind of like t- goes to a, a big point that I like, which I'm really excited about rollups coming online for is like why I compare it to the question of like. Who, what would, who would a computer be useful for is I think that we're going into a period of time where blockchains will actually start to be able to be used like the universal computers that they are, whereas before we were heavily constrained by block space and how expensive it was. Um, and I think that's just a, a, a massive paradigm shift and is why I'm excited and am thinking like, okay, we can actually make things that are usable by people everywhere, regardless of how technically knowledgeable they are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fun rabbit hole to go down. So let's. Um, Hell yeah. I, I, I think that I'm open to being convinced right now because I had a, I tweeted something the other day, which is basically like, you can't L2 your way to product market fit. And I think that to some degree, I mean, I'm equating L2s and rollups and basically any scaling solution. I'm just calling the same because they make block space more abundant and cheaper. Um, But I am curious when you think about like, okay, so governance is expensive right now. Optimally, we're making it a lot cheaper to engage in, we'll call it on-chain decision-making. We we won't call it governance. Um, 
what kinds of things do you think that unlocks when you think about just potential? Mm, so there's a lot. And there. like, does it actually allow us to get closer to product market fit on something? Or is it kind of just like, oh, everything's cheaper, but like it doesn't actually change the mechanics of, you know, whether or not people want to be engaging in decision making. That's kind of the core of some of that question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think ultimately my thinking here all spawns from that. I think the future of, of crypto and like Web3 and blockchains is that it's going to be boring. And most people won't know that they are even <laughs> operating on a blockchain. I think it will be similar to mm. asking your everyday person, what does HTTPS stand for? Or like, do you know what an IP address is? I think most people don't. And I think how we have kind of been operating in Web3 so far is thinking like, is like how people might have been thinking in the 90s of like, well, how are we going to onboard people to mainframes? How are we going to get people connected, you know, install a mainframe in their apartment building or in their house? And that's just it's 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 an unscalable, impossible solution. I think what the yeah. future will look like and why scalability does matter is because we will become the best like blockchains will be become the best way to run anything. Like there are very real technical advantages to running your infrastructure on something that is publicly audited, available and secured. With, with by a network that doesn't have special interests. Like I think for from everyone from like an individual, like a friend group to all the way up to the largest corporation in the world, until there is just one corporation, there are always going to be competing interests. So if you can operate on a computer that you can just straight up trust and better yet, you don't have to build your own. I think that's where we win. Um, and so I think like, yeah, no, I the the you can't L2 your way to product market fit is a really good point. <laughs> and if we're being completely honest, I think that like L2s and chains are going to be the new tokens. Like, I think this is the future um, with what's going on. But uh, like, and, that, and that's more just kind of like how cycles work. Um, but I think ultimately what we're working towards, and this was kind of the vision that I saw um, like a year ago when we started building this thing is like, yeah, rollups are going to be the way that blockchains scale going forwards. Um, and then the longer term future of what that looks like is everyday people will be using blockchains, um, and have their gas subsidized and have their UX be as frictionless as, as like another web two platform. It'll just be the best version of infrastructure that's available. And so people will use it because it gives them these superpowers. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I love the the comparison around the mainframe. Um, I do wonder, like, so in that world, I really like the idea around special interests being basically just this um, kind of challenge that has like second and third and fourth order effects and all those things. Um, do you think, though, that like everything will be on chain in a world with many roll ups where it's block space is not, you know, scarce and it's very cheap? Um or do you think there will be certain things where like you actually do want some private entity that you can delegate to, to basically like store certain types of data or manage certain types of data? Hmm. Uh, I think, well, if we solve the privacy problem, um, like if, if by private, you mean like privately owned um, rather than like, if we solve the privacy problem on blockchains, like if we solve the privacy problem on blockchains where you can do things privately um, and, and like it's not on a public ledger per se, but you get the advantages of a blockchain regardless. I struggle. I struggle to think of that. Um, I struggle to think of a use case where you would want to 
basically, like, if the question is, you need computing as a service, I, I struggle to think of a case in which, given a privacy-enabled blockchain that is scalable and is, like, negligibly expensive, I, I don't know why you would go with anything else. Um, because, like, just from a developer's mm. point of view, it's a pain in the ass to deal with uh, services that have different standards, for example. Like, shifting over from Amazon Web Services to Google Cloud is a horrible process. You can ask Twitter right now because they're doing it because they reneged on a billion-dollar contract with Google Cloud. Like, and, and that's why they had to, like, do the rate limiting for everyone. So, like, I generally think, like, similar to HTTPS and, like, all of the kind of web standards that we take for, take, take for granted today – there are massive network effects to running off a similar standard and using a standardized system. Um, and, and I think those network effects will only grow when, you know, as, as, as you're seeing, like larger corporations are starting to be like, Oh, this blockchain thing is kind of nice. Like I, to be a bank, all you need to do is make an account and do business development. Cause you can just use the blockchain as your entire infrastructure. <laughs> like why make a payment system anymore? It, it, you could just, it's there, just use it. So yeah, I, I don't see a lot of use cases where people would want to, you know, roll their own um, infrastructure. I think that's that's the reason that infrastructure like as a service, as like uh, Amazon Web Services is, for example, is a thing. Like people don't want to do that themselves. Um, and I think with enough scaling, like it is it is possible to outcompete Amazon Web Services in, in both network effects because Ethereum stuff uses the same standard for everything. And then also um, in terms of cost, like because a public blockchain is incentivized to make fees go to zero and a private entity is incentivized mm -hmm. to extract as much value from you as they possibly can. Um, so I, I think that's that's where we went. Yeah, so when you say cost, you don't mean uh, computation costs. You mean like uh, ex cost of externalities, of negative externalities to people. Uh, I guess I guess both. Just like I think we can get a better per terabyte cost than Amazon. Like I think we can get a better like hmm. uh, like um, how do they do it? Compute unit cost than Amazon. Like uh, however much time it takes to run this Python script is what they bill you by. I think rollups will be able to do better than Amazon in the future. Um, and mm -hmm. AWS and other providers like that will be kind of relegated to the hardware level where they're not going to be able to compete on the like mm -hmm. infrastructure as a service level with rollups. Um, and this is like the, the far future where like we have like very robust scaled um, layer twos. But I think like in, in terms of the principles, in terms of like what people need computing wise and, like the benefits that blockchains bring, I, I don't see a lot of cases in like the the, the long term future that that AWS and Google Cloud and Azure would be able to outcompete blockchains. Mm. Um, okay, this is somewhat tangential, but I think it applies both at this level of infrastructure and also in the on chain decision making slash governance area of things which is that I am super curious how you reconcile in your mind this dynamic that you're talking about where like um, basically there is an incentive for the cost of storage and of a lot of these other things to go to zero. I think similarly, there is an incentive for not similarly, but in another realm, there is an incentive for token holders to make certain types of decisions. Like basically blockchains fundamentally, I think, play with incentives. And that is part of what makes them so powerful. Mm -hmm. 
I am very curious how you reconcile that with this like um, sensitivity to and almost uh, acknowledgement around the fact that like in general, capitalism is extractive and that is a whole, that is, there are so many things on the internet that are like a result of markets Mm -hmm. And yet the technology that we're building, we like think is going to solve those problems, but also is fundamentally designed as a free market system. Do you know what I'm saying? And like, I get, I I ask this question a lot in governance, even in general, because like, as much as you want to give people a say, you also end up with like token holders who are optimizing for token value. And there are a lot of challenges with like distribution of wealth and crypto and stuff that play into that. But yeah, I'm curious how you reconcile this weird, like, okay, we're going to solve the problems that capitalism created for us, but we're going to do it with, like, this hyper-capitalist structure. Interesting. I, I want a disclaimer. I do not think blockchains will solve capitalism. I only think organizing and worker power <laughs> can do that. Um, yeah, because, and I don't, I don't want to put that those no, words in your for mouth. for <laughs> sure. Um, no, I don't think. Yeah, that was something I struggled with, but that's a whole existential question and interview in and of itself of, like, will crypto solve this? No. <laughs> it, workers need to own the means yeah. of production. That's what will solve this. But um, with regards to, like, how blockchains will perform in capitalism and how it is reconciled with like greed and and stuff like that blockchains are uniquely interesting because their value proposition comes from their lack of corporate capture and individual interest capture right so like how capitalism generally works right is you don't make money by selling the best product you make money by kneecapping all the other products and buying them up and being the only one on the market um and, and blockchains, yeah. their entire value proposition is that they won't screw you over. When you do something on them, you can trust it, right? And so, like, if 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 you want to be, like, a, a value grabber on a blockchain, it's kind of hard to get market control because the entire point is that no one has market control. It's decentralized. So they're entirely at odds. Um, and I think I think that's pretty cool. Like, ultimately, I think, like, it's not going to – it's not going to solve redistribution of wealth because how proof of stake works is a, like it's not a plutocracy, but like wealth flows to the stakers. And so whoever has the most stake yeah. to begin with, they are going to continue to be the people with the most stake. Right. Um, and and actually ROI on a blockchain is directly aligned with decentralization. So um, I, I I think that like. Uh, the, the stakers won't want to screw over the system because their entire value prop is based on decentralization, right? So they will continue to do what um, what yields the most decentralized outcome. And then the question was, how do I how do I um, how do I reconcile these two things of like greed is a thing and blockchains will be the winning solution for infrastructure? I think that blockchains, in and of themselves, like the whole reason that they work goes against greed so like that and and Mm. and and i think greed is the source of a lot of issues so if you have a product that only works without greed and all of the people doing that thing building that thing recognize that and are like okay i guess we need to build systems that don't extract wealth egregiously um then you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get the best product because like and this is great historical that always blows people's minds, but like capitalism doesn't create innovation. Most major innovative things in like America, especially were publicly funded. And then just the patents were bought up by corporations and they extract wealth based off of that now. But like the best, most efficient things, all of these like web services that we just take for granted developed by the government, 
and our public goods now. Um, so I think that just all that to say, I like things that prioritize um, the the be- doing the best thing and like not being greedy actually end up being the best product, and that's why I think it will ultimately win. Like, like uh, it, it's going to win against AWS. It's going to win against Google Cloud because these things align to actually make the best product. Um, yeah, I don't know if I did a great job of articulating that, but blockchains inherently can't be greedy and therefore will become the best product, I think would be my thesis here. Interesting. Yeah, and I guess at at the point, I think two things to call out. One, around like can't be greedy, I think a good tangible example of this would be Lido um, as a staking derivative and like sort of ecosystem. Um, they had a ton of the market share and basically, I'm pretty sure it was Lido. And basically everyone was like, okay, we need to switch this up. Same with like clients for running Ethereum. Like all of these different things are like, to your point, they cannot centralize too much because if they do, they actually risk the security of the system as a whole, which I think is really important. The other interesting thing there is like, which is probably a whole other rabbit hole, but to the point around public uh, funding of things like the internet, it does make me curious, like how much is there competition at the nation state level, which is why you start to see some of that, um, which is a whole other, wow, like probably not worth going down. But I, I do think that um, I, I really like the call out around, like it, it kind of reminds me of like the don't be evil versus can't be evil paradigm um, with blockchains more broadly. And I am curious how you think about this in the governance context, because like, we know I, I really like this post token push because I think it moves away from this like really weird fucked up system we have right now where like whales basically get to dictate exactly what's going on in on chain decision making. Um, but I also think that like on chain activity might still create similar types of problems, which is basically just that, you know, being on chain is still pay to play for the most part. Um, and so I'm curious how you think about how that type of philosophy around like the least greedy systems will win, how that applies, if at all, in the context of governance? Yeah, no, that's a good question. The thing I run up against a lot, or like when we, a lot of the comments that I saw after we announced the like post-token, the announcement for V3 and the post-token rhetoric there, was like people saying that the things that, like the problems as well as the existence of tokens are because that is inherent to the space. And I am a materialist, which means that I look at history and I say, history wasn't just formed by ideas. And like, oh, we can point at this time. And the reason that things happened in that time is because people were thinking a certain way. It wasn't just ideas. It was also the material conditions that were the case. Like, oh, why is this one group of people more powerful? It's not because they thought better and were better strategists. It's because, you know, they just happened to be on a gold mine. And when they found that, they got really rich. And that's why they're in power. So all that to say, I generally think that tokens are a thing because um, they they were the best solution for the constraints we had, which was on-chain was really stupid expensive. Um, and, and tokens were a good model to, with minimal cost, do this sort of like coordinative game on this computer that cost way too much. Um, and, and that of (laughs) course comes with, comes with issues, um, that I don't think those issues are endemic. Um, I like endemic to decision-making or endemic to, to governance. I, I think even if we move beyond token voting and use blockchains for like universal computers that they are. I think you're still going to run into issues where, like, ultimately the people with the most capital control everything, um, but yeah. maybe not have, like, 
it will all boil down to that. You're not going to be as constrained by by compute or storage and things. And and there are ways to do decision making that are more resistant to capture by people with capital or just like straight up, you could be making decisions that have nothing to do with to, to do with running a business or anything like that. People could just you, like, honestly, like we could replace forums. Like maybe people just want to use us for a forum. Like it's just the best way to store data historically and then be able to connect it to other data um, because like blockchains are just one big API. So you could have the most interconnected forum that ever existed. Um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think governance and the idea, especially of token governance is very, very tightly scoped. And I think a, a, a thought about that that I run into a lot is like the way it is the way it is because that's the best way to do it, period. And I think it is the way it is because of the material constraints we were up against. And now mm. a whole world is opening in front of us when ro- with rollups coming online and to being able to use blockchains as like a fully fledged computer. Like we don't like um, a technical paradigm that I really like is like the, the mainframe versus microservice paradigm. So like we used to use mainframes because those were our constraints. Now we use like Google and Netflix and stuff use a microservice framework, which basically says like we do not care how much compute or storage we are using. We care about uptime and resiliency. So like Netflix has this thing called the chaos monkey, which goes through its servers and just randomly turns stuff off. And they have built their services to be so resilient and like built in a way that they can just prioritize uptime. And even if you're taking random nodes off the network, Netflix can be working totally fine. Um, but it's super computationally expensive. And if you were to try to do it in the 90s, they'd call you crazy um, because like, of course, we need to gas optimize this. But like, I think we're going into a future where uh, a lot more things are possible um, and the way it is today is not because it's the best way to do things or because it's endemic to the space or anything like that. It's because of the material constraints we've been up against. So if for the most part, microservices created the opportunity to prioritize uptime over all other things in a roll up centric world, what do you think that creates the opportunity to prioritize? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it, it creates the opportunity to prioritize actually using blockchains as computers instead of just a value set of settlement layer. Like Ethereum is so mm-hmm. powerful because it's a Turing complete computer. Like you can use it for literally anything. The only reason I think that we it has been so financially centric so far is one that's very easy to raise for. And that's what we'll, venture capitalists will put their money towards is something that has ROI. Um, and two, generally the only people that had the money to pay for gas to do things on Ethereum were people in finance or things that were financially lucrative. Um, and, and so that's kind of like people that wanted to like just post on Ethereum and use Ethereum as like a messaging board. Like there's no way you can justify the cost of that. Um, and so I, what, what I think it opens the opportunity to is like using Ethereum and rollups as like the the next generation of the internet, um, really. Like, and we we think of like, okay, like which database are we going to use, and which you know are we going to use AWS and Google Cloud and and Azure? I really think it opens up to like, let's let's just let's just use like the blockchain, and let's if a bank is considering like, ooh, do we want to use Swift or do we want to use ACH transfer systems? It's like, oh, let's just use Ethereum. Like, it becomes this ubiquitous computing platform. For anyone in the world to use, and I think that's what it opens up. Um, and and specifically, I talk about Joke Race 
like I'm really excited about it because one, it took me a while to get into developing um, smart contracts because I was just so nervous about it. Like there is so much at risk um, in smart contracts, and especially since they've been so hyper financialized. I was like, I don't want to touch that. Like you mess up one line of code, you get rugs for like a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then it also costs like a thousand dollars to deploy a contract. I didn't have that type of money like hanging around to just you know develop and stuff. Um, I'm really excited about it because it lowers the barrier to entry to developing on this computer, but also because it allows us to do different development paradigms. So like to this mm. point, smart contract development has been very monolithic. It, if you want to deploy a smart contract, you deploy it to a certain chain. Like, oh, which chain are you going to deploy on? Like it's a terminal question. Like you make it once <laughs> and that's where your product is going to be. And you started to see like Uniswap and like SushiSwap and a lot of these major protocols like go multi-chain, right? But that still involves the process of there being one canonical contract on the on each chain that you always have to go to. And like if that one contract gets screwed up, your toast. And then like, if you want to upgrade, you have to like, make sure to get it perfect. Um, go from that model to more of a containerized model, which is the, the, the model that microservices use uses, which is like using smart contracts more as like ephemeral processes. Like they last for a certain amount of time and then that's it. They, they, you just, and if you mess it up, you can just deploy another one. Like that is, uh, this is a more technical reference, but like that is exactly how Docker works, which was like how containerization works in these microservice uh, paradigms, which is just like using smart contracts as programs rather than like these things that are meant to, once they're put on the blockchain, last forever and never be changed. Um, Really joke race is a one click, no code smart contract deployment site because every Mm -hmm. single contest that you make, you're deploying a new a new contract to the chain. If you mess up your parameters, just deploy another one. It costs one cent. Um, This also is empowering because like especially if this pattern continues of three new chains coming online every week, (laughs) like we can integrate in five minutes, like we can integrate with every new chain that comes online immediately and ha- people can shop around, go wherever best fits their ideology or their, you know, like their interests. Um, and and the, it, it really opens up a lot. Um, so I'm really excited on the technical level too to be able to move into a new paradigm of smart contracts that just isn't so stressful and is a lot more like efficient and oriented towards um, experimentation and iteration. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I think the other interesting model here that you're calling out is like, up until this point, I think one of the big reasons that so many projects have struggled is just when I use the term over-engineering, I don't just mean literal engineering of contracts. I also mean like of governance systems and all this stuff. And that makes sense if you are locking your protocol in to a certain governance framework. For example, if you're allowing your token holders to change parameters on a lending protocol, like you need to get that right because if you don't, you're kind of fucked. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think this idea around like almost more iterative and ephemeral contracts is really, really interesting. And I do think the Joke Race is one of the few projects that is embracing this fully, even with like earlier implementations where new tokens were being dropped every single week, yeah. which I would guess is similar in terms of the architecture for the latest one. Um, like that type of ephemerality, I think, is a really interesting switch to to change and kind of see how different the types of experimentation in the space end up being. 
Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I I always thought it was pretty unreasonable to to like to say, okay, like th- this is going to be the perfect solution for this exact group of people. That's going to change, by the way, like forever in the future, and like it will never change. Like I just. I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If you look at history, that's never how humans have operated. We're like very like things are changing all the time and we change our relationships with each other and like things change in the world. Like I I think this kind of obsession with like permanence and trustlessness um, and like immutability. Um, it, yeah, again, is much more a product of like it was way too expensive to do anything else. So we kind of had to orient towards that. Um, and it's much more exciting for people to just like play around with stuff like all, all, what this all started with is we wanted to make governance fun. Like it was a chore. People were having to be paid to do governance, to do decision making. And like, that's ridiculous. Um, so, so I think it can just be a lot more fun of like, oh, like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put something out there that's like, Hey, tell me, tell me your best pastry recipe. And I'll give like five pastry tokens to whoever gets the best one or like, I'm going to put a contest on every chain available on joke race and see which one gets the most engagement chains chill my contest, you know, like there's just so much more iteration and things you can do when you're not worried about like, I have to get this perfectly and I'll never go back. And if I do it wrong, I'll lose a hundred million dollars. Like it, it opens up a lot more in the world. Um, and, and a lot more ability to like, yeah, use use blockchains as a computer. Like when you really think about it in the paradigm, it's like, it's not a question of like, what can you use a Mac for? It's what can't you use it for? Like you can do anything with a Turing complete uh, coding language. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what like, especially this change to, to roll ups unlocks. Yeah, um, I really love that. And I think that is a very, um, that is a very good way to frame what it really means to be post-token and kind of post like L1 exclusivity, which is basically just opportunity. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of design space just grows for what's possible. Um, And so I'm very excited to see what people end up doing with Joke Race. People have already done some interesting things, but I feel like this is going to open up a lot of that. Um, Before we wrap up, if there was like one Joke Race you would love to see, one type of weird decision that you would die to see on chain what would it be oh that's a good question i really i really should think about this hmm i so so of course this is where my mind goes um it is it is more interesting to me in a technical sense um than than necessarily the content i don't know what the content would be i like i like the idea of constitution revisions or like any document like google docs on chain and I think how we can do this is by people running a contest like every day or every week with edits like, hey, the prompt is the document we've got now and then like submit your edits to it and iterating like that. But like then you can abstract that out. Like I, I have troubles thinking of a specific like what question am I dying to see answered? I am more like like my mind goes to like how would I like to see computers be used and like how interoperable it all is. I would love to just kind of like, you know, um, mycelium, like just see how something like that, that is like, okay, we're going to provide a template and we want like just general prompt is iterate on this. I would love to see where people get and like see the branches and be able to map out the branches. Okay. You start with this like basic document, maybe like there were some, there were some meme projects like, uh, the paperclip project. I don't know if you saw anything about that. 
people made like mm-hmm. a paper-clipped NFT yeah. one to trade it up. Just like, okay, like we're going to have three teams iterate on three different chains of what the best strategy is here and then see where those lanes of thought go. Um, that That's something I would be really interested to see. Or on 20 chains. Like I, I'm really interested to see where people like kind of congregate and then also um, a manifestation of the type of people or like the type of thinking that congregate on different chains or around different problems could be shown in like this kind of lineage of decisions that are made. Yeah, I really like that. Um, the future of co-creation is all the way down and up. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I love GitHub. And we just abstract <laughs> that for non-technical people to use, and that would be amazing. Yeah, um, I love that. Well, Sean, this is such a fascinating conversation. Um, where can people learn more about you and all of the, the joke ecosystem? For sure. So joke ecosystem is at joke race uh, underscore XYZ on Twitter. And then I am um, at Sean, S-E-A-N-M-C underscore ETH on Twitter as well. Um, and I should probably put my GitHub in my bio as well. But yeah, if you look up Joke Race on uh, GitHub, you'll you'll find my account as well. I think those are the two two places you can see what I'm up to. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so wonderful. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. Thank you.